Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. This is episode number 75 as we continue in the book of Acts. Welcome to the podcast, Dakota. How's it going, man? Man, it's going pretty good. It's a new year. It is. Yeah, we haven't done an episode since prior to the holidays. Yeah, I mean, as you, as most of you know, and as I'm sure most of you are, busy for the holidays. And so I even took some time off during the holidays. You and went so to Arizona. I did. It was nice, 75 degrees. Warm. Warm. Yeah, was, zero degrees here. Some of you who listen are <laughs> from Arizona, so you guys know what I'm talking about. But It was negative 24 with wind chill here in Kansas. It's not that every day. That was the coldest I've ever been, though. Yeah. No, I, I experienced it for one day. We we tried to get by some of it on our road trip to Arizona. We actually drove down to Oklahoma City to get south of this polar vortex that was coming through. Still experienced uh, the negative wind chill. And so, uh, but luckily we got out of it the next day and uh, we were in the sunshine and warm. So it was a, it was just a great time to see family. My youngest, who's now uh, almost seven months old, got to meet, you know, they, uh, my family got to finally see him and hold him and spend oh, for time, the first time for the first time. Wow. Uh, and then uh, my oldest got to hang out with his cousins and play and, just experience, you know, a lot of things that I experienced as a kid with my family. So um, it was it was a good time to to see everybody and to catch up with everybody. So, but I'm glad we're back. I'm glad it's a new year. We've got a lot of goals to accomplish this year. A lot of things we want to do, uh, and so I'm ready for those. I am too. It, you know, while there's nothing inherently different about moving from December 31st or whatever to January 1st. There's something, I think, in the psyche where everybody knows the rhythm of life is beginning again. It's this weird thing that we go through, but there's this rhythm of life that begins on January 1st where things come together. And I think a part of it's because the holidays came to a conclusion. So the rhythm of life that is only different for a specific season in the year, once that's done, you get a fresh start starting in January. And that's kind of where we're at. And I think that's where we're at as a church and uh, we're really excited to begin this year with more ministry, um, doing ministry more effectively, reaching more people, making disciples. This is the Be Disciples podcast, and that's the whole point of the show. So, yeah, let's get after it. Yeah, so let's pray. And then we are going to be starting Acts chapter 6 uh, and really the call of the first deacons. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today, for the opportunity to speak your word, to have this platform, this opportunity to share it uh, in a capacity that people are able to find it around the world. Uh, Lord, continue to allow your word uh, to be spread uh, to the ends of the earth as we continue to talk about your word. Uh, I pray for all of our listeners that they would be encouraged and be bold to meet with people, to schedule time, open your word, read it with others, uh, and just grow in their faith. Uh, be a, a light in their in their churches wherever they are uh, to just spark uh, a culture of discipleship and evangelism. So thank you for today and be with us as we speak your word uh, and let us be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter six verses one through fifteen. That's at least our goal for the day. And I've kind of broken this apart into three different sections. I think you have verses one through six. I think verse seven stands alone. And then I think verse 8 all the way to verse 15 kind of concludes the chapter. So let's just take 1 through 6. It says the following. I'm reading from the NASB, New American Standard. 
Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews, that's, that's the Greek Jews, Greek, Greeks who converted to Judaism, against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. A lot to discuss, and I mean, we could do a whole episode on verses 1 through 6. Yeah, so obviously they recognize a need. Right. This is, is in verse six says now in these days, we're talking about the days of the early church. Um, Pentecost has happened. The word is being proclaimed. We've seen already some of the apostles arrested, <laughs> freed, proclaiming, preaching, preaching healing, persecution, uh, a lot of stuff going on. And so the numbers are growing, it says here. Um, people are coming to know Christ. They're following uh, even in here, when it says they they gathered together, they summoned the twelve were summoned, the full number of the disciples. So everybody, yeah. right? whatever that was, I mean, I don't know how many of thousands. Thou- I mean, because of the first day, how many were converted in Jerusalem when Peter preached? Right. Yeah. So word had to have gone out. There's a need. Yeah. The first church was actually a mega church, by the way. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm pro like mega church. I'm just simply saying like. This is how the church began. It was truly a megachurch. Yeah. And so, however they gathered, I mean, it says they summoned them, the full number. Uh, I don't know if that's all in one location. They were out and they were able to gather everyone together, whatever that looked like. But there was a need that was present. According here, it says a complaint by the Hellenists rose up against the Hebrews Yeah, uh, because there was some neglect of the widow's needs on a daily basis. So there's an issue here. They gather together to address this issue. Um, so they kind of show a little bit of conflict resolution. They show a little bit of yeah. how to gather together as the church to make decisions. They kind of start showing us how the church functions a little bit. Well, one thing that I'm kind of noticing here is we read about it in one verse, but this complaint was not just like a five-minute problem. Oh, no. Yeah. This is something that would have been taking place perpetually in the church to where it was a large enough issue where deacons need to be needed to be selected. And and I think, you know, if you if you can just imagine, okay, first of all, all of the apostles were Jewish. They come from a Jewish background. There's a lot of Jewish converts in Jerusalem. The culture that they come from makes it easier for them to serve a certain group of people than it does to serve a group of people who are outside of their culture, such as, you know, those from a Greek culture who converted to Judaism. Now, they've got some understanding, they're believers, right? But the fact is, is that there's somewhat of a cultural divide between these two sets of people. They probably hold different values and uh, all sorts of things, and that's where the the tension starts to arise. Is you're you're shepherding 
two cultures of people under the same roof, and this is something that the church is called to. We're called to unity in, in the midst of that. Yeah, and think of, I mean, the diversity of people here. If you really, the Hellenists or Greeks yeah. who converted to Judaism, who I'm guessing are now converted to Christianity. Right, that's the case. Right. Yeah. And then, and we also have a group of Jews by birth and by belief who have now been converted to. Christianity. Right. They've won they've known one culture their whole life and now they're changing. While yeah. the Greeks now they've had to learn multiple cultures and now they're changing, right? Yeah. So it's a very unique situation. I mean the the amount of different people from different places, different languages. I mean we we, we took care of the language problem, right? Sure. <laughs> uh with, with Pentecost. But at least at that time. But now we're having an issue with a group of people being neglected in which Jesus talks about and James talks about this group of people being widows yeah. who are extremely important to or should be extremely important to the church to be taken care of. Right. And so that's the conflict. There's clearly some group of widows or just widows in general where I think maybe amongst the busyness, amongst the growing numbers Amongst the preaching, the proclaiming, whatever healing's going on, amongst all of this, someone's being neglected. Well, and this is maybe more of a candid comment, than, or uh, candid and transparent, but just as our own church has grown from about 70 people, and now I would, I feel like we're just maybe closer to 300. I'm just not 100% sure of the exact number, but the fact of the matter is, is that with a growing church, there's a lot of positives, right? There's worse problems to have, like yeah, a non-growing yeah. church yeah. or a dying church. But even with a growing church, now you have a whole new set of problems where inevitably people are going to be overlooked. And as a pastor, I constantly feel like even when I try to reach as many people as I can to the neglect of other good things, mm-hmm. right, I'm still unable to reach Everyone, and that's the—I bet you—that's the tension here. Only their church was much larger than ours. They might have had twelve pastors, right? Yeah, <laughs> or eleven because you don't see Paul yet. Um, well, Matthias, so twelve. But I mean, now they've got thousands of people. That is not a large enough church staff to take care of all these people. Well, think of the progression. You had Jesus <laughs> and Just many, making it relevant. Yeah, you had Jesus and many crowds around him, wanting his attention. And Jesus working tirelessly to do all that, to, to do everything. Jesus has now died, been resurrected, spent time with people, showing that he is the Son of God. He's ascended. Now you have the Twelve with the power of the Holy Spirit who walked with Jesus. How much attention are they being like? How many people are grabbing for the apostles' attention oh, yeah. out of this thousands that have been saved and then out of the people who are hearing the gospel being preached and that miracles are happening. It's got to be pretty nuts from a from an apostle standpoint. Just comparatively speaking, like the growth of our church has been really exciting because our church hadn't grown for a long time. And whenever there's church growth, there's excitement. But imagine how this is different. This is different because this is the first time in human history and ever will be that the church began. I mean, this is the first time the New Covenant has been there. This is the first time that the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, has been there. People are not just saying, 
oh, isn't it great, all the good things that are happening and how we're growing as a church? No, no, they're saying, this is the fulfillment of God's plan for the ages, and we're truly experiencing something for the first time. So with all of that excitement, there still remains a bit of tension, and the church has to figure this out. Yeah, and I think the the apostles, the 12, respond well, right? Because they say here, it is not right that we should give up preaching, but they recognize the severity of the service to these people. So they're not saying, well, preaching is more important. We don't have time to figure it out yourselves. Like they're not being, you know, prideful or arrogant. They actually see the issue and address the issue. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to learn. They don't ignore it. They don't brush it off. They don't think we're too important for that. Um, They actually say, hey, we have an issue. Let's come together. We know that the preaching of the words important, the yeah. most important, but we also can't neglect the other things that need to be taken care of. And I, I think that word in verse two, along that line of the conversation, it's the apostles who said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. They are not saying that serving tables are not of value. They are saying that if we aren't careful, we're going to turn into a restaurant because we're having to neglect the Word of God in prayer, mm-hmm. right? And what they are saying is that becoming a restaurant and becoming a community center of just another community group is not what we're called to do. Right. What separates a church and a community center or a community group is that the church proclaims the Word of God and ministers to the Lord in prayer, right? Yeah. So that's what, se- that's what separates us. Yeah. And there, this isn't like a concept foreign to like business or foreign to any organized entity. Right. Because you think of a startup company today. There's tons of startups, tech startups, whatever. The CEO is at that point. Wearing all the hats. Does everything, right? But imagine the CEO of like General Motors working the line, putting the cars together. Well, that doesn't make sense. What else does he have to neglect at the detriment of the company? Right. He's putting the cars together. Now, he should probably be more worried about selling the cars and making sure that they're safe and making sure like there's other things that he should probably have as priority (laughs) other than actually being on the line, putting the cars together. And I think that's what the apostles are saying. They're not saying the guy on the line isn't important because without the guy on the line, there's no cars. But everyone has a different job. We've been called to do this and preaching the word is the most important but there's also important things that need to be done, and we need people to do those things too. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a need here for organization. They recognize it. They see that it has to be done. We can't do this by ourselves, the 12. We've got thousands. We can't do it. Yeah. We need help. What's, what's the number that we go by today? Nine Mark says you need one pastor for every 100 to 125 people. Yeah. So, you know, take 12 apostles, that's only 1,200 people. I imagine just due to the amount of converts they've had already, this is likely a five to 10,000 person church. So now now you're talking about one apostle per, I'm not even going to do the math, yeah. but it's past 125. <laughs> yeah. 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 And at this time, you know, we we can look at the church today and how it's been organized in multiple different ways. But we see here that they recognize recognize a position or an office of service. Yes. Um, that we can't serve all these people's needs 
on our own. Because if we do, we're going to be stuck in this location and we're not going to be able to keep going. We won't be able to keep growing to advance what we were called to do. Right. We will become inward. Yep. Which you which you preached about this last, that was this last Sunday. Last Sunday. Yeah. We would become inward and only taking care of ourselves and then neglecting the outward facing, which is to go preach the word, which they're saying we cannot neglect that. That is important. Yeah. So there's and a recognized need here. You'll see why in verse seven too as as we get there. But so we continue on. Now there's some conflict resolution. Verse 3, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. We spoke two weeks ago from the pulpit about there's a difference between indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling is for salvation. Filling is for the empowerment of service and, and advancing the gospel and and ministering to the Lord, ministering to people, right? One is justification, one is sanctification. So, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, number one, full of the Holy Spirit, number two, and of wisdom, number three, whom we may put in charge of this task. Is there anything in verse three that kind of kind of sticks out to you, just observationally speaking? Verse three? Yeah, I mean, as we're kind of working through this, there's a list given of these men. I mean, they do say, they do say brothers, pick out from among you. Yeah. So they give a responsibility... To the congregation, yeah, to pick out some guys, yes, um, which is, is unique, and we don't even practice that. But I mean, I, th- I think you know, it says from among you seven good men are of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So they give specific characteristics of an individual that would be the best to serve in this capacity. Yeah, um, so there are requirements essentially, right? Um, I don't know if seven. Is like it has to be seven. I don't sure, know. I don't. I don't agree. With that. I don't think so. I just think, hey, seven. I think sounds like. A, <laughs> I mean, seven has a significant uh, value in scripture. We see that, yeah. but I think the seven. I think they just picked. Hey, we need a group of guys who are going to organize this and pick seven amongst yourselves. So, I'm not sure if there's like a significant to the number itself here in this specific passage, because I think it's just what's going to meet the need. How many how many guys do we need to meet the need? Yeah, and even as I'm doing the math, I'm kind of thinking, gosh, well, if they've got thousands of people, not e- seven men's not even nearly enough. So my take on this passage, and it, it has been, it has developed into this more so in the last couple of years or so in my theology. I think, and I had this conversation with uh, Pastor John Benzinger over at Redeemer Bible Church in, in Gilbert, Arizona. And um, before I came here to Ottawa, I asked him about deacons and how many deacons do they have and how many elders do they have, questions like that. Ecclesi- ecclesiological, <laughs> I know that word every other day, ecclesiastical, <laughs> I'm about to create a word on the spot, yeah. ecclesiastical questions. And he said, well, actually, we, we have countless individuals who are deaconing, but we only have a few who receive the title of deacon. Uh, diakonos, the word minister or literally servant, mm-hmm. I think these seven are exemplary examples. Um, exemplary, an exemplary seven. I need to get my words right this morning, but they are, they are a top seven who set the example of what all others who are serving in the church should be doing. So others in the church should see these men and should say, ah, they motivate me to serve, Right. So I, I don't think it's a mere seven people serving, but I think you have a selection of seven deacons 
to edify and equip others to serve, which I think the early church really needed. Yeah, so they pointed them out, and then they say they're of good reputation, Yep, full of the Spirit, which you just mentioned the difference between indwelling and full, right? That they they are already saved, but then they're also full of the right. Spirit. Empowered <laughs> right. by the Spirit constantly would be the Greek. And of wisdom, yep, whom we will appoint to this duty. Yep. Wisdom requires faith. These are faithful men yeah. who know where the power comes from, yeah, from the Holy Spirit, given wisdom, understanding where that comes from, and then their reputation. So we can get, there's other places in Scripture that talk about the qualifications of deacons, but to live above reproach, right. to have a good reputation, to not be, you know, things, you know, things that would say that man loves God, loves Jesus, and he shows it each and every day in his life, in his family, in his friendships, the way he serves. Uh, modern day language for us, and we've used this with our elders and our deacons just in leadership conversations, is we're looking for character, right? Men of good reputation. We're looking at competency. Do they have the the right amount of knowledge to be able to, to finish the job, to do the job well? Um, you also have chemistry, right? Uh, do they fit well with our team in particular? And then capacity. Do they have room in their life to do this well? Um, so character, competency, chemistry, capacity, those seem to be the four C's. That's not necessarily Scripture itself, but I think the principles get really close to Scripture based on what we're reading. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So then you continue on in verse 4, and it says, But we, the elders, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. A devotion to prayer. Prayer is not a perfunctory endeavor where it's done for a couple minutes, but the course of your life shows a devotion to prayer on God. What what do you want next? And then not a perfunctory teaching of the Bible every now and then or something like that, but a, a devotion to it. And I, I think these are consistent marks of character in the elder's life that the New Testament calls for um, from the early church onward. And it wouldn't be right for the elders to have to neglect prayer and to neglect ministry in the Word for serving of tables. Right. And I don't, again, that doesn't mean that an elder doesn't roll up his sleeves sometimes. Oh, absolutely not. No. And and serves. We're talking about the consistent right. requirement, the consistent um, job responsibility of the elder. Absolutely. Yeah, because I don't. Because I think we can. There can be a power struggle if you think one guy just doesn't do anything at all, as opposed to other. When it comes to serving, uh, I think we we saw Peter right and John heal people. Yes, uh, we see them serving people. So I don't think they don't. I just think when it comes to what is our priority as as the apostles, as the elders, to go. We're supposed to go and teach, right. go and preach the word, go and proclaim the gospel. And so that is our job where we want to continue that and be in prayer. We need help serving people. Not that we're not going to serve people, but our primary function is not going to be that. Well, and Flip, you're totally right in these comments because flip the statement around the other way for the deacons as well. And what do you see in Acts chapter 7, which we'll get to in a couple of episodes. Now Stephen is the one preaching. Yeah. And he's a deacon. He's a deacon. Right? So yeah. it, we're talking about consistent roles, the primary responsibilities of. 
We're not talking about an absolute neglect of one or the other. That's totally right. Yeah, because we believe that the Great Commission is for all believers. Yes. So we're all supposed to proclaim the gospel. Yes. But we have elders here who have a specific role in a deeper capacity to ensure that the Word continues to be, and there is leading that's done, and there's leadership at that level. Now we're just putting leadership at a servant level and saying, you servant leaders are ensuring that the people continue to serve in their capacities, as we as elders are going to ensure that people continue to proclaim the gospel the way that the Bible tells us to. So they're given the responsibilities, but nobody should be neglecting any of these things at all. Right. So we move through the text, and then we get to verse 5, the statement, found approval with the whole congregation. Yes, we agree with that. Yes, we see that. We see the burden. We see the tension. We see all the people. We see that we need to get a little bit more organized here. (laughs) Yeah. The early church didn't have it all figured out from the beginning. Right, right. They This finds approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, who I think it's interesting, he specifically is noted as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's to prepare you for the next chapter. But also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, and a proselyte from Antioch. One of those men actually, um, I believe it's Nicholas, some commentaries show from the book of Revelation that when the church, some of the churches were starting to follow the false teachings of the Nicolaitans, that it may have begun with him. So he may even have been a selected deacon, possibly, who ended up leading God's people astray into false teaching, hmm. which is kind of unique. You know, if that's the case, then they didn't get their selection right on every leader from the beginning either. Right. So just some things to look into, maybe consider. Verse 6, And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something we practice uh, to this day. When deacons are called, yeah. uh, they're approved. We lay hands on them as elders. We pray over them for this office, uh, and that they will lead in this way that the Bible calls. And like you said, maybe sometimes we get it wrong. Uh, I mean, even from an elder standpoint, I, you know, you just look across church history. Yeah, how at, many, at large. At large. Yeah. You know, or, or are there elders throughout history that f- fell away? They and did. Chose something else? They did. Um, well, you that... and I know a couple men who were serving as pastors or elders, and now they're no longer in that role. Yeah, they don't need their decisions. And some of them don't even call themselves Christians. Right. And they were in that capacity. So it is possible. And those are probably the hard questions just in, in life and as a Christian to deal with. Yeah. Like, God, why? I, we were talking about that earlier, just off off the off recording. Why, God, would you allow that to happen, a man to be in a place to proclaim the word and lead and shepherd, but then clearly not actually necessarily be a Christian? I don't know. Like, what, the why? I won't have that answer. You don't have that answer. But clearly that happens. And if if the Nicolaitans came from this Nicholas, interesting. Yeah. There had to be a purpose. Maybe we'll find out someday. I don't really know. But I think we allow God to, to use people uh, the way he pleases for his kingdom and his purpose. And for us to question is, is kind of ridiculous. Well, but <laughs> as, as, a, as a side note, because it's not the emphasis of the text. You know that. No, I not. know it. But one thing that the church has benefited from as it pertains to false teaching is the church got their doctrine right because they were always on the defense, right? It's not like the church gathered together and said, for the most part, 
hey, these are our official set of beliefs. No, church history shows us that a heretical position was introduced and the church got together and said, no, the Holy Spirit's convicting us. That's not right. The word doesn't say that. Now we got to get our stuff together. And that's why it took, you know, a number of centuries for the church to really settle on some big theological issues because there were not any opponents to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, um, so now the church has to get together and they have to fortify their positions. Um, due to where we're at on this episode, I think it's actually more appropriate to just finish with verse 7. Mm-hmm. Look at the result of the elders handling this well and for deacons who are filled with the Holy Spirit, wisdom, good reputation, serving in the midst of the congregation, prioritizing who needs to be doing what so that the job is accomplished altogether. Mm-hmm. Verse 7 is the outcome. The word of God, as a result, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. See, it would be, let's just pause there, it'd be one thing for the church to say, man, we're growing so much, we need to slow it down, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. No, no, no. Because the church is growing, we need to continue to take the next step so that we continue to grow. So verse 7 says, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So the emphasis in verse 7 makes three statements on growth, right? It would have been one thing for them to stop. Instead, they said, no, we need to get our our personnel intact so that this can continue to explode. Yeah. 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 We can't allow anything to keep us from preaching the word and reaching people. That's right. Because that's the point, right? And that was that was really what I preached this last Sunday um, for our listeners who aren't a part of our church. It's healthy for pastors to preach one sermon a year reminding the church of their purpose and their mission. And that's what I did yesterday. I walked through, ironically, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and I argued that Jesus was not commanding the church to go. Jesus was promising that once the Holy Spirit came upon them, they absolutely would accomplish the task of reaching people to the ends of the earth. And I think that is our goal. That is our mission, our vision today in the church. It's the same exact thing. We've been told to go to our community. We've been told to go to our neighboring communities, and we've been told to go to the ends of the earth. Nothing can stop that task. We have to yield to the Spirit. Yeah, so I think if you're sitting in a discipleship discussion with somebody, uh, and you're ha- and you're going over this passage and you're talking about church growth, I know there can be some real negative uh, connotations when it comes to church growth from a oh they're just trying to get more people to make more money, right? Of course, that's yeah. that's a that's a pitfall. That's a, a mega church pitfall. Look at them; they have all this money, and look what they're. Are they really using it to reach people for the gospel? Or are they using it to have the nicest this and the nicest that? You know, there's always these questions that come up, especially when it comes to money, growth, all of these sort of things. But I think a mark of a healthy church here in this passage is that the word of God is not being constrained no. or held back, restrained. But that it, whatever is being done, the decisions are made to continue the word moving forward. That's the mark of a healthy church. Not, we need to do as much as we can to get as many people here in order to make more money to, in order to do this. No, we need to make sure that we're organized to the point that nothing gets in the way of the word being preached. That's it. That's the mark of a healthy church. So if you're talking about what is church, I think that is a really good mark. If you're walking into a church and they say, and, and, and the, their actions show that the word is the most important thing, you might be at a healthy church. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think if, and we've received this counsel from an organization called Pastor Serve. They've told us that a lot of churches that grow, one of the biggest mistakes they make is they think that they just got to build a bigger box to hold all their people. But, and while there's nothing wrong with a bigger box, if you don't match that bigger box with more personnel and more leadership who are equipped to handle the people personally and relationally, you're, you're going to prioritize the practical and the physical above the spiritual. And that never works out either. Those are churches that fall apart and you spend a bunch of money on a building. Yeah. And I think our, <laughs> at least our conversations between you and I as pastors are rarely about a bigger box. <laughs> oh man. No, they're hardly. Hardly. Like I think in the back of our minds, as growth happens, there's the possibility of a bigger box, but it's never like we've been told by multiple pastors that a bigger box will just come. Yeah. If you need it. It's true. Focus on people. Yeah. Reaching people, training people, equipping people, and reaching the lost. We did that, and then the bigger box was provided. That's right. Let God figure that out, but keep doing what you should be obedient to, which is preaching the word. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Do you have anything else to add before we... No, these are refreshing scriptures. The book of Acts, as we walk through it, has just been so good. You know, Acts shows us that the things that we kind of wrestle with in our churches today, it's nothing's old, nothing is, nothing's new under the sun. As we read the scripture, we see that God's church, in the midst of reaching others, has to continually delegate, has to continually deal with difficulties, has to continue to deal with persecution from the outside, whatever it might be. But the the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church, against God's kingdom. And that's one thing that we just have to keep in mind as we continue. The, The book of Acts can appropriately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because this is how the Holy Spirit is moving in God's church. And it's happening today. Absolutely. we got to remember, Acts is, we're still the church. The Holy Spirit is still moving in churches. Right. So I just wanted to thank you for listening in. I hope that this helps you as you uh, continue to learn about the early church, about the book of Acts, your growth in discipleship, and maybe, hopefully, even your ability to disciple others is what we're trying to get to. So please share this podcast. Uh, really, we, we don't do a lot of pushing necessarily online, but if you could push it for us as you listen, just share, uh, it. Just share it with somebody, use it as a discipleship tool uh, to reach more people. Uh, we, would, we would love that. We just want the word to continue to be proclaimed. Have a blessed week. We will be continually praying for all of you as you listen and you grow 